right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss training camp day three here in San Diego as the Nuggets wrapped up things on this Thursday. They have one more, or they've got two more days of practice on Friday and Saturday. I'm only going to be here for Friday, leaving on Friday night, but they've accomplished what they wanted to, at least in these first three days. There's definitely nothing nothing major going on right now. I'd say today, more of a low-key practice day than any of the first two, but it was nice to see. Good to see everybody still smiling and laughing and having a blast and doing everything that they want to do. On this podcast, we're going to go over what Bruce Brown and Jeff Green had to say today. We're going to go over Andre Miller, the conversations that he had with the Nuggets media contingent today. He's taking over as the head coach of the Grand Rapids Gold. And then we'll go over and kind of go around the association. I'm going to give some of my takes on some of the other teams that are kind of going through some stuff. Nothing major, but I am uh, very excited. I'm, man, I just yawned through that. It's been a long, it's been a long, long week. I've, I've had a great time though. All right. Sights and sounds. Let's get through this bad boy. Like I said, everyone's smiling and laughing. That's the first thing you see when everybody's entering the gym. Denver was going through a shooting competition when we walked in the building and Joker's team won. I think they had, if I'm not mistaken, they had Jokic, Vlatko, Bones, Christian Brown, and Peyton Watson on that team. So not really like your who's who of shooters on the on the Nuggets, but it was definitely a really impressive showing that they had. They they won it pretty easily from what it from what it seemed. But it's nice to see Denver didn't have to do too much if Michael Malone was letting them, uh, not letting them, but decided to have them go through a shooting competition as opposed to uh, pushing things too late. Uh, we actually got into the building pretty early today by comparison. They did pretty well. And it's nice to see the vibes, like I said, they're just really good. This is the best vibes that I've seen from a training camp. I've only went to one other, of course, but that was 2019-20 down in Colorado Springs. That was when uh, there was a little bit of a starting lineup controversy, Not, and it wasn't even really controversial really to anybody down there, but between Michael Porter and Will Barton and Torrey Craig, that was a very interesting one. Now, though, everything's very stable. That's how I would describe the feeling of this, is that everything is very stable right now going on here in San Diego. Everybody's about their business. Everybody's gone through this before. And if you haven't gone through this before as one of the younger guys, then you've got a plenty of players to kind of fall back on and, and really help get you through this experience and continue to excel. I'll talk about that more in the second segment, but uh, Malone did not speak to the team today, or, or did not speak to the media today. He was kind of in the back doing some interviews with some national folks. He had a day off with local media. So rather than that, uh, we we got to spoke to we got to speak to Andre Miller, and I'll talk about that more in the second segment. But no acai bowls today. I'm sure they'll have something fun planned back at the hotel. 
also tomorrow on Friday, they're going to be doing um, they're going to be doing a big scrimmage. Uh, they've had a couple scrimmages over the course of the first two days, day one, day two. Apparently, day four is going to have a a much larger scrimmage, and so we may be able to get a look at that. So I'll probably try to take some video, probably try to try to take some photos, share some of my takes. But yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. Be a little bit better uh, content than than what's kind of been generated so far. But let's talk about who spoke today. It was Bruce Brown. It was Jeff Green, both guys who had been in Brooklyn. And they have a relationship and clearly had a, a strong relationship prior to this too. Bruce Brown, he said he really likes it here. That he likes it better than Brooklyn and that this is just more his speed. He's not necessarily wanting to be in the spotlight all the time. That doesn't surprise me. He went to Miami. He didn't go to Duke or North Carolina as an ACC guy. He went to Miami. And then he was drafted by Detroit. He was traded to Brooklyn. He didn't really choose it. He was traded there and sort of made the most of it and definitely found a way to fit in. But he does strike me as a guy and just kind of speaking to him and kind of getting to know his personality a little bit better, definitely does strike me as a player who you want to have in the doghouse. Not, not. what am I trying to say? In the, in your corner. He's a guy who you want in your corner because he's going to be, he's going to be going hard. He's going to be very physical and he's going to be very competitive. He strikes me as a very competitive guy for sure. He said today when kind of asked about his different positions, that he just wants to be on the floor, that it doesn't necessarily matter what his role is. He is playing a little bit more on the wing this year as opposed to previous seasons. With Detroit, he was more of a point guard type. With Brooklyn, he was more of a, honestly, a small big man, kind of like a a small ball five. But now with Denver, there's no doubt that he's a wing. Bones is the point guard, there's no doubt about that. Bruce can do some of those things, but he also can do some big man things. So having him on the wing makes a lot of sense. Obviously, yesterday I spoke about this, but he replaced KCP in the starting lineup for the scrimmage. And I just really think that he's going to be a good fit for this team. He strikes me as a player and a personality that fits really well with this group. Now, I think Jeremy Grant kind of struck me as the same way and that didn't necessarily work out in the correct light, but I do think that for Denver specifically and for this year, if you're looking to find the best possible mix, I think Denver's pretty close. I think Bruce Brown really adds to that. Jeff Green also spoke today, and uh, it was funny. Bruce Brown, he said that he dunked, he dunked on Jeff Green today, and so that's where, that's where their relationship kind of, kind of comes in. Bruce Brown said he dunked on Jeff Green. When Jeff was asked about that, he said, no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Sorry if you can hear banging in the background of this podcast. There's work being done at this hotel, unfortunately. But yeah, Jeff was very competitive. Also with that, he said uh, he said that the, the second unit has been kicking the starter's butt throughout so much of training camp. And maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong, I, or maybe he's just... BSing a little bit, but he is certainly projecting some confidence for sure. He spoke about baseball, 
spoke about his connection with Nikola Jokic and how that's really grown. Apparently, it was DeAndre Jordan's idea to go to the Padres game on Tuesday night. And Joker really liked it. Joker really enjoyed it. He was asking Jeff Green about various baseball concepts about being able to hit fastballs uh, when you're pitching it over 90 miles per hour. That's uh, That is definitely a hard thing to do. I've actually done it. Like, um, it's a subtle flex, but I, I was doing it in high school. But, but no, like it's it's very fascinating to see this connection between Jeff Green and Nikola Jokic. It's not one that I would have expected, but those guys have really connected. And I think my hypothesis about Joker is that he really just likes being with the vets. He likes being a vet himself, and very much just kind of rises above any of the drama, any of the stuff that the kids are trying to say. Jokic, now that he has a wife and a daughter, I have no doubt that that has changed him in ways good and bad, but mostly good, where he's maturing and he's definitely taken that route. Jeff really, I think, laid that out pretty well. He also said that the energy this year uh, for the entire team was just a little bit different with Murray and MPJ back. I think there's definitely more of a calmness. There's definitely more of an understanding, but also a belief that with what the Nuggets were able to do last year without either of those guys, they believed that just adding in a couple of those pieces and then exchanging out some defensive options, I think they believe in themselves in terms of how well they can compete with other teams. The main group thought that they could do it last year if Murray had come back. I think they definitely thought that they could do it the year prior. I think they thought that they could do it in 2020 and that the Lakers just got a little bit lucky. And maybe they did. But it is interesting to hear about just the vibes with this team, where they're currently at. It gives me plenty of confidence that they're going to approach everything with a little bit more professionalism this year. And that some of the details that kind of sunk through and were missed last year, that they won't be missed this time around because Denver has goals that they really want to aspire to. They didn't really believe that they could aspire to those goals last year, given the injuries. Now it seems like they do. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss what Andre Miller had to say. But first... This, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by Superbook Sports. Nobody's more excited for football to be back than your friends at Superbook. Tonight's Thursday Night Football. If you haven't bet on it already, I think the Bengals is a definitely a pretty good option for Thursday night. And Superbook, they can help you out with that. They're bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands. And now they'll match 100% of your money up to $1,000, excuse me. It's 100% of your first bet, up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting it on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
All right, we're back. Big and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's discuss Andre Miller and the fact that we've seen him around for a few days. Didn't know whether we were going to speak to him until about yesterday, and then he spoke with the media today. And just sauntered right over, seemed very comfortable in the situation, and not really surprised given just how long he was in the league for. He understands the process, he understands the scrum, and this seems like something that he could be really good at as, as, as a coach. But to tell you the truth, coaching wasn't really on his radar. That's what he said. He said that he wasn't even really looking to coach when they actually approached him. He was at Summer League. And he was trying to – well, actually, no, he, he was calling up folks trying to get some tickets for Summer League so that his kids and uh, some folks could go watch it for free. And he was conversing with the Nuggets, had a prior relationship with Calvin Booth. And he asked about Jason Terry while they were there. And Jason had moved on. He wanted to send out some congratul- congratulations, basically. And the Nuggets approached him and asked, hey, do you want to be – you want to be the coach? You want to be a part of the organization? And he had his name put down for the head coach of the Grand Rapids Gold, which is a great spot for him. It really does make a lot of sense for him to be there and be doing that job. Because I've always seen him and just kind of the way he approaches the game, his high-level understanding as a point guard and his ability to communicate and lead, he strikes me as a player that would be a really good coach. It's good vibes. It's good vibes to be able to reconnect with Andre. Unfortunately, not really good vibes. Is he, he said that the only nugget he had kept up with through all these years with the organization was Sparky Gonzalez, who is the Nuggets equipment manager. Been around for a long time, Sparky has, but it's too bad that the Nuggets have not really been able to keep Andre in the loop. Andre seems very fond of his time in Denver. He seemed to really like the the Nuggets organization and what they were all about and everything. And so this is kind of a common situation, I think, with some of these, especially in the the recent future, these players that and and coaches, just shout out George Carl. Uh, some of these guys, they probably don't feel as appreciated for their efforts as they probably should. And whether that's a decision that's made up top, whether that's just kind of an oversight, I don't really know. But it is too bad that Andre doesn't necessarily feel that love because he's one of the best ever. He really is one of those old school top tier point guards who was a one of the first traditional guys and definitely the best lob thrower in the league. He was always fun. That was always a great moment just to watch Andre Miller throw lobs. The uh, the one that stands out to me. Because I'm, I'm kind of new, or I was kind of new, to watching the Nuggets at that point. But when he threw the three-quarter court lob to JaVale McGee for a dunk, that was, it was one of those passes that's just jaw-dropping. What he could do was incredible. There's no doubt that he was one of those guys that when he was out there, everybody loved to play with him. Because he could get them all involved. He could get the get everything going. And he's just old school. Definitely somebody that like he's gonna have some trouble, I think, getting used to the modern NBA a little bit, where you've got analytics and you've got uh, new personalities and he mentioned today that man, 
There's a, there's a lot of people in this gym. And it's because the, the game has grown. The entire spectacle around it has also grown. So he'll ta- probably take some time to figure that out. But he does strike me as a player that would be a very, very good coach. And he talked about his principles. He said he thinks he's going to be – well, actually, I think he's going to be a good developmental coach. He said he really wanted to focus on fundamentals with guys and that it wasn't necessarily about the like the lifestyle or getting them prepared for the NBA environment or anything like that. He said he wanted to focus on the fundamentals, the skills, and make sure that everybody knew exactly what it would take to stick in the NBA. That's a great way. That's a great way to do it. I think of a guy like Peyton Watson, who on the Nuggets roster is definitely, I think, lacking in the fundamental department. Just because he's got that, he's got the physical tools. There's no doubt about that. He's got the long arms, the wingspan, the range, the athleticism. But for somebody like that, how does he become the best version of himself? Well, you start with building the fundamentals. I think of a guy like OG Ananobi, who did that for Toronto, and they helped him grow into that. Maybe Andre Miller could have some similar effect for a guy like Peyton Watson. Uh, I know that Zeke Naji and Bones Highland have probably grown out of the need for G League experience, but maybe Colin Gillespie, when he gets healthy, is somebody that can go down to Grand Rapids and really lead that team in a way that Andre Miller would enjoy. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, whoever the the future Nuggets draft picks are. I don't think Christian Brown is going to need to go down there, but if Denver, like they do have, actually no, they don't have a first round pick next year, but I think they have a second round pick. So if they do, the player's probably going down. Maybe it's Ismael Kamigate. And Andre Miller strikes me as a player who can teach him how to be in a great position to succeed while catching lobs, uh, receiving pocket passes, making sure to navigate pick and roll defenses. He strikes me as a player that could really help some of Denver's incoming guys. So it's great. It's great to see. Miller also had some good things to say about Joker, said that if he was a big man, if Andre Miller was that size, he'd want to be like Joker too. That he sees the floor as well as anybody. That he has that combination of scoring and, and playmaking that so few do. And it, it, he's just he's just great. Like I like Andre. I think he means a lot to a lot of people in the Nuggets community. And meant a lot as kind of that supporting cast member for Carmelo Anthony. And what he was doing for the Nuggets early on in the 2000s. Andre Miller was a vet also when he came back. He may not have been like the oldest vet when he was first with Denver, but when he was in the the second time around, he was a vet who did things so professionally. And it reminds me that on a team like this one, where you have Ish Smith, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, KCP, where you've got guys like that, Having veterans around on the team is going to be super, super helpful for a team like the Nuggets because you have all of this cumulative experience. You have all of these, uh, all of this knowledge, these players that have been through it all, that understand 
the highs and lows of the NBA, how to navigate certain circumstances. Andre Miller did that very well for the Nuggets in his second stint. I think he came back in 2011 and then was there through 2014 or so. And he was fantastic. He helped out so many guys and won Denver some games for sure. I remember game one against Golden State back in 2013. I also remember a variety of other games from that 2012-2013 season where he came off the bench and clearly was George Carl's favorite player. Clearly, it was hilarious, honestly. But yeah, I think these vets are going to be good for this Nuggets team. I didn't expect this to be the biggest story for training camp. We haven't really had major stories like, oh man, Jamal Murray is just really burning down villages while he's out here. Or Michael Porter said something truly horrific, which we are talking to him tomorrow, so I guess you don't want to put the cart before the horse. But I do think that the main story for this Nuggets team right now is that they're more mature, that they understand what the expectations are for them. And having those vets to help them navigate it is a really, really good thing. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up by looking around the league. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this bad boy up by talking about the rest of the NBA. I haven't done this in a little bit here, as we've really focused in on what's been going on in Nuggets training camp. But with today kind of a lighter day, not necessarily doing too much, there will be more content to have tomorrow. For now, let's look around the league. Let's talk about how bad the vibes are for Phoenix, uh, because that is that's just one of those situations where, man. It really was a dream to be in Phoenix until Giannis kind of stole their heart back in 2021. What he did in that final game six where he dropped 50 points, had like 17 of 18 for the free throw line, something like that. It was 17 of 19. He just stole their souls. And it was right after that where the Robert Sarver story really broke. Was that... That entire situation was going on. I remember during the preseason of the 2021-22 season where there was a debate debate about whether they should extend DeAndre Ayton or not, give him the rookie max, and they didn't. They decided not to. It was a very calculated thing for them. They thought that they could get a better deal on the free agency market. That they didn't necessarily need to offer the full boat, the full rookie max. And they play out this season and fall well short of expectations to fight despite winning 64 games. And now you've got Aiton badmouthing a lot of folks after they match his contract, which was still pretty close to a max. You've got Jay Crowder asking out, wanting a trade. He probably isn't as good as Cam Johnson anymore, who is going to start in his place, at least according to the reports today. 
But that doesn't really matter because what they need is to have as many quality veteran pieces as they possibly can. And now they're going to lose one. Now what are they going to do? He's probably not going to play. Or maybe he will play and he'll just come off the bench and have to really suck it up. But I think that situation's kind of gone past what what really is expect, acceptable for a team like that. And so they've got a lot of things to figure out. They still have Devin Booker, still have Chris Paul, still have Mikhail Bridges. So they're going to be a fantastic team still. But the vibes are just bad. It feels very combustible. Now, Chicago Bulls, the vibes were a lot better midway through last season when they were at the top of the Eastern Conference. Now, what that should tell you is that the Eastern Conference is frauds. But Lonzo Ball has been dealing with this knee injury for a while, and he finally got surgery on it. The timetable for his return isn't known. There was some expectation that he could be out for a short amount of time, and then I heard a report that he could be out for the entire season. I don't think anybody really knows quite yet, or at least the people that do know haven't really shared. But I think it's possible that the Bulls have peaked, that the Bulls have, are never going to be as good as they were last year. And now they've got Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, and Patrick Williams, I guess, Alex Caruso, Ayo DeSumo. Like, it's just not good enough. They just do not have a good enough team. And I would be worried if I were a Chicago Bulls fan. Unfortunately, friend of the pro- not friend of the program, but Denver former Denver Nugget Arturis Karnasovas, he kind of created this mess. Trading for Nikola Vucevic was a bad idea. That was not the move that they needed to make. It was not the right player for them to go get. And then when they added DeMar DeRozan, he was certainly like he had a career year. There's no doubt that he still has something in the tank and may still going forward. But can he replicate what he just did? Probably not. He's never done it before other than last year. So I wouldn't expect that to continue. I think that they had lightning in a bottle and they got injured. And now they're not going to be able to capitalize it, capitalize on it. Zach Levine, also a guy who deals with pretty consistent nagging injuries with his knee. I would be pretty worried about the Chicago Bulls. Now, the Brooklyn Nets, they've, they're have they their own version of a dumpster fire, and I'm not really going to cover Kyrie in any serious capacity, so I don't necessarily have to, like, I don't have to hold back when I say that I just think that he, like, he's not worth covering at this point. But I do think that Ben Simmons is kind of an interesting guy and an interesting case study for whether he could actually turn his career around in a different situation from Philly. He made it sound like on the JJ Reddick podcast that it was just an entirely too toxic situation for him to deal with. And honestly, it's probably true. But he jumped from one toxic situation to another. And I'm not sure what it's going to look like with him in Brooklyn. In theory, it should look pretty good. But can he actually play center? Can Brooklyn defend in any way, shape, or form? I don't know. 
is a little bit off the wall for that one and probably doesn't really mean that much to the Nuggets specifically, but it is interesting to think about all of the former Brooklyn Nets veterans that have now found their way to Denver, where the vibes are just so good, everybody's so happy to be here, and it just seems like everybody's going to be miserable in Brooklyn for as long as their stars are there, because their stars are miserable. Now, the Clippers, this one was interesting. I didn't really think too much of it at the time, but now thinking back on it, they're going to sit out Kawhi, Paul George, and John Wall for their first preseason game. It's not really a big deal. Nobody should make it a big deal. But it's starting. It's starting, right? Like, I don't think anybody really knows what to expect from any of those three guys. Can they stay healthy? Can they stay on the floor? Do the Clippers want them to stay on the floor? Would they rather just load manage them and have them each play about 55 to 60 games and then win 50 games, get into the playoffs, and just deal with the consequences of not getting home court? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I could see them being very comfortable with that. They might also have the depth where it just doesn't matter if those guys play 55 to 60 because Covington's going to play. You've got Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, Yvisa Zubach. They've got so many guys. Like, there's no doubt about it. Norman Powell, too, by the way, who's coming off of a major injury. They've got a lot of guys who, if you believe in the individual talent, then the collective talent should be pretty scary. It's why so many people have them as their championship favorite. I can't get there. I actually put Denver as a higher favorite than them because I believe in Denver's guys. I believe in Jokic. I believe that their chemistry is where it needs to be, or at least will be where it needs to be, to navigate some of those difficult situations. I just can't say the same thing about the Clippers, and if they're already starting with the load management now, and they can't even make it to the first preseason game, or maybe this was the plan all along, I don't know. But it just strikes me as pretty funny. And then finally, the Philadelphia 76ers, there was a clip that went around of Doc Rivers mic'd up, talking to James Harden about being more aggressive on the offense, making sure to take charge, how they've got the pecking order that features Joel Embiid at the top, but they want James Harden to be as aggressive as he can be in those other situations when they're not giving the ball to Embiid. That doesn't surprise me at all. You want the ball in the hands of your best players. You want those guys to be making the decisions, and you want those guys to be impactful. It is funny, though, that Doc Rivers is coaching up James Harden, and that it just, like, it should be pretty evident that James Harden has to be more aggressive. But he always just finds a way to go 2 of 11 in really clutch games and not kind of living up to that aggressive label. When teams take him out of his comfort system, his default is to kind of let it happen. It's definitely not to fight back. So I wonder whether that changes with Embiid kind of pushing him a little bit with Tyrese Maxey kind of picking things up and maybe able to take some pressure off. Maybe it just doesn't matter that 
James Harden isn't the most aggressive guy anymore, most aggressive scorer. But we're just going to have to see. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Tomorrow, I will be watching the scrimmage between the Nuggets and first team, second team, third team, and everybody in between. Should be a lot of fun. I'm curious to see how Zeke Naji does. That Zeke Naji profile should also come out on Friday at some point, so make sure to take a look at that. But for now, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.